BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. You bring the jokes and you bring the laughs and that's all I you And bring the do. laughs. I just gotta bring the laughs. Bring in the laughs, bring in the funk. John's Hopefully coming not the in funk. on Tuesday. Yeah, you'll be bringing the funk. They're trying to make a baby. <laughs> so that's definitely going to be bringing the funk. Ew, I don't want them to make a baby in our house. You're going to have a baby made in your guest room. Ew. <laughs> Gross. I hate it. Yeah, I hope they name the, the baby Hen Rattley. <laughs> Hen, Hen Rattley. That is. Hen Rattley comes creeping around. I just imagine just covered in chains. <laughs> I like Hen Rattley a lot more. We used to go, our couple's name was Nata Hen because we were trying to make it as unrolling off the tongue as possible. Oh, Nata Hen is also fun. But I feel like Hen Rattley really. I do like Hen Rattley. really gets your. Because it does sound like it's a creature. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Rattley. Uh, Get back in your basement. <laughs> yeah, no, ours isn't fun either. Jeff Key is no fun. Jeff Key. <laughs> I think Jeff Key's real stupid. Jack off. <laughs> yeah, he could be could be Jack off. <laughs> he is a G off, so I guess we could be a Jack off. Yeah. But I mean, ugh, we're never gonna be the Benefers. No. That's why they that's why they got back together. Because of the name, because of how good the name flows together, I don't know. He was he was having an intimate moment with another Benefer in a car recently. What? Jennifer Garner, the mother of his children. Well, it looked like they were just having a conversation, and they hugged at the end of the conversation. Everyone's like, "Did you see the intimate moment between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner?" It's the mother of his children. children. Like he's got to talk to her about a bunch of shit. Was he supposed to like face Palmer when she comes near? No, get away! No, just sick hen rattly on her. (laughs) Bringing the chains, bringing the chains, bringing the funk. Okay. Guess what? It's solstice morning. Oh, 
Ding, ling, 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 ling. Well, I see, get I, ready for crying. I hear violins because of uh, Home Alone is forever embedded in my head. Oh, that sounds better. Is I'm going to steal your kids. And I'm going to let them fend for themselves. Is you that know, the plot of Home Alone? Home Alone, you know, taught us a lot. I think that, that you shouldn't leave your children home alone. Yeah, I did learn that. Um, I know that, like, I remember watching Home Alone as a kid and being like, I should never be left alone. Yeah. Because I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't to like the kind of... Barglers. No, I wasn't, the, I wasn't like a resourceful child. If I was hungry, I'd just be like, ah, ah, And then food would appear in your open and mouth. Just, yes, it would just be laying upon <laughs> my mouth. Maybe this is just because I've just spent time with my mom, um, and I'm used to just laying there going, mama, feed me. Your mom does love to feed. And she feeds, and she feeds. Yeah. And we have the pasta bajol. Ooh, don't talk about food, I'm hungry. All right, I won't talk about food, but we will talk about Home Alone. Um, I was thinking about crying on Solstice morning because if your family is anything like our family, somebody's always crying on Christmas. But this isn't Christmas, it's Solstice, so maybe there's no tears on Solstice. I don't know. I feel like we got some pretty sketchy scenes coming up. Uh-oh, there might be some tears, but I'm all sexy today. Yeah, you're— I'm more sexy. Yeah, you're more. I think I'm Elaine. All right, so you're feeling not sexy. Baby. Baby doesn't feel sexy. Baby needs a bottle. Mm. Want me to put a bottle in there? Mm. (laughs) I'm scared. That could be a bottle or a penis. Yeah, it depends on how tiny it is and how big the hole is. Okay. So (laughs) we're back with Feyre after... Rizan's chapter from the last yes. episode where he toasted the nights before them leading Toast to, to some... the nights we felt alive. Do you think he sang that? No. Maybe? I don't know what that hot. is. Oh, oh from, here's to the nights, an Eve 6 song. Oh. It's an Eve 6 song, Natalie. And I think that it, no, no. I didn't. I, I do think the Eve 6 guy is very funny on the internet. He is funny on the internet. Um, You're... Please fix my wig. It's, this is not out. that it's a wig. I mean, fix my real hair because I'm more. <laughs> Your scalp is sliding off. My scalp is sliding off. Well, that happens, you know. You put on too much moisturizer, and <laughs> oops, my head falls off. <laughs> Your scalp is so moisturized and youthful that it fell off of your skull. Isn't that what we're all hoping for? Isn't that why we put on the serum so that hopefully slowly our scalp will slide off the top of our craniums? I think so. I mean, with the amount of creams I put on, you'd think so. You'd think. Oh, the creams. Oh, when they try to kiss you after you put your creams on, like, you might want to wait. I gotta wait. Gotta let my cream sit. Put on my lip mask. Get your kiss in before it goes on. Get your kiss in. That's the saddest, dude. <laughs> like, you can't kiss me anymore. Well, we both so wear the, night guards anyway, so we really can't kiss. Oh, you can't kiss at all. I imagine you, it's like an, it's the old school night guard, though, where it's like the, the actual like wires up around your head. So you're just like clang, clang, clang <laughs> as you try to kiss each other. That seems like that would not aid in sleeping at all. No, can you... Our sister had to wear one of those for a very long time. I was like, how did you oh, sleep? Like and she's like, I did, like a headgear. Yeah. Oh, no. We just, our generation just, just missed, missed headgear. Oh. And I think we should be, I feel like we're not thankful enough for that. Thank you, mother, for keeping your knees shut long enough so I didn't have to wear <laughs> headgear. 
I'm okay. coming in hot that today. Is, that is a weird direction to take. Uh, I actually think we should bring headgear back. I think kids are too confident these days. Honestly, yeah, I have been thinking that. Yeah, they're they've been giving given too much too freedom. Much. Oh, your yeah. clear little braces. Oh, that's nice. Did you have an expander? You get to be whatever you want to be. Oh, you're not judged and shamed. Oh no, they're still judged and shamed. Don't get me wrong. Do kids still have to wear expanders? Oh, when they put in the key yeah, and turn key, it? And I, I don't think so. I pry my jaw open by my like my own hand. Oh, my God. We are becoming the... And I walked uphill both ways with no shoes. I didn't. Well, I did walk up a lot of hills. I did. I actually did to go to school. So, Yeah, but, but you had to come down the hill at some point. Oh, it's been going downhill ever yeah, since. Yeah, baby. All right. All right. So... Running up that road. <laughs> no. Running up that no. <laughs> The start of chapter 17 favors being jolted awake ah. by a present being laid down next to her head. No, this is a nice jolt awake. Yes. Her head that is feeling a little bit fuzzy from the bottle of wine she drank. Yeah, I've been there. According to Reese. Yeah. Uh, maybe I've been there too many times. Whoa. The, they lounge on the bed as she first opens this gift that he presents her. It's a fancy sketchbook. She can draw wherever she is. Showing that Reese is paying attention to his mate's hobbies. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this about her, but she loves a mate. And I think this is very out of the ordinary. Whoa, Reese, you must be so connected. What do you guys have a bond or something? The fact that you got her a sketchbook. I know. It's like if literally. You if you didn't know Feyre liked art, you really don't like. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. To you're Feyre. not paying attention. Yeah, wife. I'm sorry, your mate, please. It's interesting to note, though, how different her reaction is from when Tamlin gave her that mobile painting set. You remember back mm. in the day? And she was like, no! Yeah. Though Tamlin maybe was trying to ignore the fact she was not doing well at the time, it was technically a thoughtful gift to Feyre, but from the wrong person. She's about to get <sighs> a sketchbook from every single person for the rest of time. Yeah. You say it once. Do you know how many things I have got an owl tattoo? Do you know how many owl things I have? So many. Because they're like, oh, you must have owls. And I'm like, no. yeah, I liked it so much I put it on my body. You don't need to get me a tchotchke. I don't, I don't need the tchotchke. Well, Jen, put a $100 bill tattoo on you next. That's what you like the most. <laughs> yeah, I live for money. <laughs> Although I did just get a Riverdale tattoo. So don't tempt me. I'm waiting. Akatar's next. Is that from? I didn't even know you got it. Oh, you guys, yeah. I saw you guys over in page seven got tattoos. Forget it, Jughead. It's Riverdale. That's Whoa. what it says on it. Yeah, so I'm pretty cool is what <laughs> I'm saying. And I would love to get a $100 tattoo. I'm, I want to get it across my breasts. Just a huge bill. Huge. And be like, I work for money only. That's, that's how you know somebody's real expensive when they have mm-hmm. a giant... Hundred dollar rectangle yeah. across their breasts. Yeah, and a tattoo on your forehead that just says "I like cash." Mm, nice. Yeah, it's pretty. I'll be cool. like a check cashing place. <laughs> oh no! And I won't be covered in predatory loans. Class. But oh. yes, yeah, 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 and predatory loans. Uh, okay, so. Reese keeps manifesting different presents on this. As they've woken up, Feyre's like, oh, no, don't give me more presents. Stop it. But she's not really. No, of course she loves it. A soft scarf is followed by a bag, a satchel for her painting supplies. (gasps) Painting on the go! That she has her initials in the crest of the night court. uh, Not emblazoned. Embroidered or or printed. Yeah. Stamped upon it. It's on it! It's on it. Which would be kind of a cool little, like... 
like Akatar nod for people if you were out in the world and you just had the like something on your bag that wasn't just like saying the words and then yeah. if people would know it'd be like is that an Agarzidia? And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. That's why I'm getting the night court tattoo above my knees. I love uh, it. I can't wait. I'm um, not pathetic. You're not. Reese notes to her that he figured she wouldn't be super impressed by a bunch of jewelry, which shows he again is thoughtful of her because many a partner might have money but no attentiveness to mm-hmm. their partner's desires and hopes mm-hmm. and dreams. Dreams. Um, yeah, I always feel like those kind of diamondy gifts are a little impersonal. Like, I don't know. It's just a personal thing. Like, if you're just getting a fancy bag or something, I'm just like, this is not, there's no personality in Unless, it. like, that's something that you really, really want. And, like, it's something that, you know, you you don't have the money for. So, like, someone saved up. Like, it's the kind of thing, too, that I think especially when, like, when you're, when you don't have as much and you get something like that, then it means so much more. And I feel like it's, like, saving up for something like that. But that's also not what I personally would want someone to save up for. No, it, it, for sure. Like, it's like, take me, I don't know, like, it's like, oh, Jackie, you get to go stunt driving. Yeah, you know? totally. Like that kind of thing where it'd be like, whoa, awesome. That's something I never would have thought I would do. Now I'm terrified, but I guess I'll do it. Yeah, no, that's fun. And like, you know, it's like if you like a tennis bracelet, that's cool. But I I don't know what I'd be like. Wow. And I'm like, how do they fit the whole racket on there? Why is it called that? No, I'm very scared of jewelry and anything that's like actually like cost. I'd be like, no, if they gave me something like that, I'd also never wear it because I'd be so terrified. Like, no, now is not the time. My wedding rings are the most expensive thing I own. And I don't wear them most of the time except for my little band because I get scared. I get so scared. I I can not to be trusted. I'm covered in like syrups and not in a good way. (laughs) Like, I just love being covered in maple syrup. You are always just eating waffles with your hands. Yeah, and say, going, Dad, you have a fork right on your, on your arm tattooed. The pockets are full of butter and full of syrup. Mm. I like to make sure all the pockets are filled up with syrup before I eat my waffles. I really hate that about you a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> Favor reminds him that... I hate that about you. <laughs> Favor reminds him that he... So, basically, she's like, she gets all the art supplies, and then she goes, okay, now it's my turn. And she's like, reminds him that he requested she draw him nude. And now it's time to pay up. Yeah, dude. Reese, in his extraordinary arrogance, is like, no prob. And he pulls the curtains apart with his magic, and he lounges across the bed. And then she proceeds to paint him like one of her French girls. It's like, y'all just woke up. I'd be like, can I have some coffee first, like, before we get into this? You know what? You probably, when you're Faye, though, you have, like, extra face sexual energy. Yeah, they're always horny, and they don't need coffee. Oh, can you imagine a life? Oh, can you imagine a life where we don't need coffee? No. Oh, Oh, my God. Oh, I've got... Do you see how big my cup is? Oh, my God. Ooh. It is arguably too much coffee, and I know that um, some of you have noticed how much coffee I drink through it, and I'm fine with it. We do these in the morning. Don't judge me. Don't take my coffee away. Ack, ack, ack. <laughs> oh, no, Kathy. I'm Kathy now. It was nearly 11 by the time we emerged from our room. I'd filled pages and pages of my sketchbook with him. Drawings of his wings, his eyes, his Illyrian tattoos, and enough of his naked, beautiful body that I knew I'd never share this sketchbook with anyone but him. 
Rees had indeed hummed his approval when he'd leafed through my work, smirking at the accuracy of my drawings regarding certain areas of his body. Uh, come on, Ferris, share that sketchbook. Yeah, come on, come on, let us see it, let us see it. I mean, I know that, like, but who's she going to share it with? Like, can you imagine showing it to Moore? Ew. Yeah, and she'd be like, ew, don't show me this. Ew, I don't want to see the accuracy of his cock. Thank you very much. Yeah, that would be super weird. Also, it's just like, I don't think I, I mean, maybe. She could show Racina. Oh, she could show Racina, but also that's her high lord. I'd probably feel very, really uncomfortable. Be like, wow. Oh, good. I'm glad he's got that throbby vein up top. <laughs> I was hoping he had at least a couple throbby veins in there. <laughs> How many throbby veins are we talking? You don't want too much because no. then like his dick is covered in worms. Yeah, no. Just like one or two. Like just one. Yeah, sure. Okay, so <laughs> as they're making their way, after this little interlude of the nude sketching, they make their way to the gathering room for the day's festivities. And Favor notes confusedly that Reese has decided to wear his fighting leathers. And for a moment, panics that Solstice morning might include flight training from Cassian. Oh, Lord. Give me a break. They're amused that no one has made it out of their beds yet this late in the day. But as they're magical fairy creatures, just there's just an unexplained huge spread of breakfast waiting for them when they arrive. Man, I wish. It is kind of crazy because, like, in our family, we don't have – there's no little kids or anything. So we all – we got to, like, be dragged out of bed on our – Your mom does actually, morning. though, make yeah. – a huge spread a huge that's kind of there when we wake yes, up. You're that, right. I don't know why I just acted like shocked by this. Yes, no, we do wake up to a huge, because <laughs> we all sleep in, and she's just like, I've been waiting since dawn <laughs> to feed you. And I'm like, I love you, Mom. Thank you so much. And also, like, it, it's it's too much food to wake up to. We're very, we're blessed. Hmm. Some might say that we're blessed. Blessed. Um, but no, there's no uh, smiles from children. And that's how we like it. Yeah, yuck. (laughs) There's barely barely a bite into their brunch when suddenly Cassian and Azrael appear right behind Reese, grinning like fools. They grab him under the arms and haul him away from his breakfast. Vera is nonplussed by this surprise addition to her morning and just says, whatever you all are doing, please don't kill him. I lifted a brow, and just as they vanished out the front door, Still dragging Rees along, my mate said to me, Tradition. Tradition! Tradition! As if that was an explanation. Tradition! <laughs> How did he not sing it like Tevya? I don't know. With Rees uh, off, Feyre spends the morning alone, but seems to be contented to do so, as it's a rarity in their circus of a house. She decides to go through her mountain of paperwork in their overstuffed bedroom, and Reese apparently is spying on her periodically because he scolds her for doing work on solstice. You can't do work on the solstice. It's the one day you can't. You got to be a lump. Yeah. Got to sit. Have a sludge day. That's what we call them. We call them sludge days in our house. Have some rum chata in your coffee. Oh, my God. The amount of rum chata we drink on Christmas. Do we have to start calling it solstice? Because I think solstice. That's what I said in this script, actually. I'd like to stop calling. Can we call it solstice? Yeah, because, like, I hate Christmas. But if we, like, can renew it with solstice, that would be really nice. And that's more jazzy because I don't. Because Yule doesn't really roll off the tongue. Ah, uh, Yule. Yule. And it just makes me think of Soldier Boy. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm, 
I'm okay Don't get that. me wrong. I love thinking about Soldier Boy. Let's make the holiday about Soldier Boy. Oh, that like. would be cute. And we yeah. can Superman that hoe all. We can Superman that ho ho ho. Wow, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> we just needed we to got navigate it. around it. We did. Uh, Reese still won't tell her where he is over the bond, but he tells her that he'll be back by dinner. I I had totally thought we had already learned about this snowball tradition, but I guess we didn't. Yeah, we didn't yet. Okay. I've gone through these books in, in such a rotating fashion that I feel like I'm reading it like Pulp Fiction where it's just different chunks of the stories are coming into my mind at this point. Yeah. I'm falling apart. Yeah, uh, like memento. Maybe you should start tattooing it onto your arms. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yep. For the fifth book. It's a lot of pages. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot of sex. Yeah, I can't wait. Dude, we're almost back book, to the erotics, dude, guys. Y'all, we're fifth book, y'all. Just hold on to your butts. She thinks briefly about how she technically can afford to buy the old art studio that she had broken into previously. But the idea freaks her out because it, she's just like, I can just, I have all this money. I can just do that. And then she kind of like shuts the royal ledger because it's like really weird to her. When you have nothing and suddenly are able to buy something, the feeling can be overwhelming. I mean, it all, it still is. Like, the fact that I don't live off of 60-cent American cheese roll sandwiches from the bodega anymore is insane to me. Like, that wasn't that long ago. No. Life's weird, man. Yeah, dude. Life's weird. And it can all go away at the blink of fucking eye. Yep. I don't talk about that in therapy every week. It's good to know. <laughs> you know, it's good to know. And, and at least you know that my comfort is that if... I go back to that place. I survived. We already it, did it. I can it. do it. Yeah, I can do that. I so can do that okay. shit. Fuck yeah. I'll be like, where are my paints? I'll say, man, where are my paints? Oh, you'll become a paint. painter? Yeah, then I'm going to be able to become a painter. Again. Street painter? Yeah. Okay. Street painter. Jackie Zabrowski. Um, when, uh, so she goes to the kitchen, uh, after she closes the ledger up and she goes to, and she finds Elaine there, who's alongside Nuala and Saradwin preparing all the feasts for today. Favor thinks about how much more bright and refreshed Elaine looks, having found things in her new life to be excited about, passionate about, because that's usually the trick to f- finding your way out of, you know, depression or fears, just finding something that you love to do. Yeah, and doing things for serious. yourself and yeah. like and finding that and, and also finding the joy in, in self-care again is very important yeah. to navigating out of the treacherous territory of depression. And for Elaine, it's kneading dough. She loves it. Yeah, man. I've been there as someone that used to work in a bakery. Sometimes you just got to knead it out. Knead it out. Oh, yeah. Your famous bakery rap. My bakery raps. Uh, Oh, man. I sang all the time and they loved it. (laughs) My favorite song was working together in any kind of weather as friends. And I would sing that anytime I was really upset at work. I mean, you guys must have been all the time since you went to sleep at 4 a.m. and then got up at 5 a.m. to open that bakery. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, so it's the alcoholics promise. Oh, New York, be crazy, New York! You remember those days? Yeah, I crazy. remember. We get on the subways. <laughs> yeah, you might be on a subway right now, listening to this. Are you enjoying yourself? <laughs> Are you enjoying your experience on New York's MTA? I hear they've gotten a lot better since COVID. With what? That was a lie. I heard. Oh. <laughs> 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 I know they have Wi-Fi now. That was a pretty wow. big new addition That's when we were le- leaving. That's we didn't have cool. that. Must be nice. Yeah. I had to read a book. Uh, uh, uh. 
So we as the readers learn through Feyre's thoughts that Rizan pays Nuala and Sarah Dwini massive salary plus holiday bonuses. So we all know he's not a cheapskate. But they have to be there all the time. So it doesn't really matter if you've got a lot of money, if you got to be there all the time. We do like, yeah, I guess so. We don't really always see them. But maybe, I'm saying this as someone that worked as a, I used to call myself a house elf, um, as a house elf, like, it's like, does it matter? It's like, go ahead, keep paying me. I don't even have the time to use the money that I'm given. But I mean, I'm sure they get a lot of time off because they're always, they're fighting battles. They're all, they're go they go on their trips. They probably have some family somewhere. I'm hoping, remember, because they didn't go, go to the, the dinner the other night. Yeah, they didn't. Um, we also hear through Feyre's thoughts that Elaine bought the twins blankets from the Weaver store because I guess even shadow creatures sometimes need a blanket. Oh, that's sweet. Feyre begins to question whether Elaine has heard from Nesta, but they are interrupted by a loud knock at the door. <gasps> Elaine runs, likely hoping that it is the prodigal sister. But it wasn't Nesta who stood on the front step, cheeks flushed with cold. No. As Elaine took a step back, hand falling away from the doorknob, she revealed Lucian smiling tightly at us both. Happy solstice, was all he said. Uh-oh. I came home from the solstice. Yeah, I feel so bad for Lucian. It's... And, like, can you imagine what his heart felt like, like how it lifted as she answered the door and how it totally didn't lift for her? And And then it probably immediately shot into his guts when she, like, looked at him with, like, horror. I'm such an unrequited love bitch, too. And so it just, like, hurts my chest and it makes me want to kiss him. You remember how bad it was when you were a kid and had a crush on somebody and they showed up. Can you imagine if you had a mating bond? Don't. I can't. No, I can't. And then he's making out with your friend in the bathroom after you win prom queen. <laughs> See, even prom queens cry. Uh, even prom queens cry. Because Jackie was a prom queen. Thank you. I have to bring it up because it's, um, you know, I, people are like, oh, did you peak in high school? I'm like, you know what? I don't think I peaked in high school. <laughs> no, I didn't. was really, really sad. Not saying, I didn't mean to say Whoa. like. Oh, Natalie. Oh, was uh, I too ugly? Uh, was I too ugly to have peaked? No, you're just glowing up all the time. Um, I was very ugly. I didn't know how to. I didn't know what to you do. You weren't ugly. I didn't know what to you do. I wore Twinkie shirts every day. I loved my three, like, like, like it was like three times too big. Actually, now I'd be very in style. It was like a button up Twinkie shirt. From Target that I wore all the time. Twinkie, like the pastry? Yeah, there were Twinkies all over it. Oh, yeah, that would probably be in right now. Yeah. yeah. So, man, uh, honestly, how I taste dressed maker. in high school, I, yes, I was a tastemaker. <laughs> I was I'm influencing the Zoomers before the Zoomers were even just a blink in their parents' eyes. They were just little sperms swimming around. Isn't that such a weird thing to say that you were just a glimmer in your parent uh, parents' eyes where it's like, ew, that's not where the eggs live? I think it's supposed to mean they're looking at each other hornily. Ew, and so you see the horny and in their speck of horny oozes out you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to be talking about that more in this, oh, ep- this yeah, episode. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, more. Yes, please. That's me. That's who I'm dressed <laughs> Moore's up. not there for that scene. Oh, no, she's, no, she's not. 
the next chapter is still Feyre as the awkward greeting moves forward into the sitting room where she's basically ushered Lucian in. We aren't privy to those first moments at the door, but you can bet Elaine didn't say shit. Mm-hmm. So Feyre has taken the lead and they all sit down in the sitting room, which is, I guess, what you would do in that room. You sit and you, you sit. talk. Yes. Feyre tells Lucian that he looks well. Lucian warmed his hands in the glow of the birch fire, the light casting his face in reds and golds, golds that matched his mechanical eye. You as well. A sidelong glance toward Elaine, swift and fleeting. Both of you. Poor Lucian. I'll kiss you. I'll kiss you, you half-mechanical man. If only. (laughs) It could, well, I guess it could, more could do it. Because you are more right now. More could kiss him, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd watch that. They're too. not. Ma- they're not um, related. I wonder if his mechanical eye can see through clothing. <laughs> oh my god! Why would? Why would the the woman from uh, Dawn Court make it X-ray vision? Because then it's like like it's like a sexy eye. Nobody, nobody knows. She just wants him, him to be a pervert. Yeah, yeah. Ew. But it's a pervert for him, and then it's kind of nice, and he gets to see boobies all the time. Oh, God. Oh, how distracting. Would that be in a war room? Oh, I don't think no I'd wonder want... they can't have women in there. He's, he's too busy looking at their boobies. I don't think I would want that, even if it was not the gender of your preference sexually. You'd be just looking at people's saggy-ass balls flapping around. and I feel like then it would become, like, eventually, like, you'd become, like, a gynecologist where none of it matters, you know? You could just say, like, a pussy's a pussy. You got a yeast infection. Yeah. <laughs> See, that would be nice. A little tip off. He's the canary. He's the canary in the mine. Oh, cheap, God. cheap, you've got yeast. <laughs> okay. So Elaine doesn't answer. And since Feyre isn't holding her breath for Elaine to offer uh, mm. anything to Lucian, she tells him that he's welcome to stay the night. Feyre thinks about how much she's trying to keep Lucian's attention away from Elaine, which is, quote, an impossible task, because she knows how much it will hurt him to see her so uncomfortable next to him in the room. Ugh. So she's, like, trying to get avoid Lucian looking at Elaine, looking at him in horror. <laughs> but Lucian tells her there's no need for her to fix a room up for him because he has other plans for the holiday. Feyre is curious about where he's been all this time, and Lucian's sort of stumbles over his words as though he's hesitant to reveal his whereabouts. But eventually he reveals that he has actually been staying with Jurian and Vasa. Okay. Consorting with peasants. And by peasants, I mean humans. Huh. There's an old manor house in the southeast in the humans' territory. Jurian and Vasa were gifted it. From the lines that bracketed his mouth... I knew who had likely arranged for the manor to fall into their hands. Grayson, or his father. I didn't dare glance at Elaine. That is awkward. Grayson. Yikes. But also surprising that he's staying in the human territory. Yeah, well, this isn't the kind of a shock to, to Feyre as well. Um, also... I don't know if they ever fully address how uncomfortable it would be to be living in a free house from the person your life soulmate wants to fuck over you. Ooh. And you're just like living in his house. Maybe he's just like not thinking about it. You know, it's like there's just times in your life where you're like, you know what? 
I got I gotta, gotta go somewhere, and I don't want to be there, and I don't want to be in Spring Court. So here's where I gotta be. I'm gonna be dealing with this for decades. Yep, and I will unpack it later. Yep, there's some put that in the other little compartment back here. Compartmentalizing can be a beautiful thing when we need it. Survivalist, yeah, yeah. for sure. We learn through their convo that Jurin and Vasa are for the time being settled into Prithian because the world is in upheaval and neither Vasa nor Jurian really have a home anymore or a kingdom. They're sort of orphans. And Lucian alludes to it in other parts of the book as well as in this chapter that he kind of is also in that boat. Basically. Do you think they have like a Miss Hannigan type role play? Do you think like it's like, ooh, I'm... Um, not like with Annie, but it's like Miss Hannigan and uh, Bull. Oh, uh, wait, who did he's she bald? Oh, right, because she was flirting with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they have like a whole like thing back and forth where they uh, kiss. Like, there's no the, none of the orphans are involved. She <laughs> leaves the we... orphanage. She goes out. <laughs> she goes out and she finds him. She goes, oh, okay, you've got all this money. The term orphan led you to Annie. Okay, got it. Because I couldn't <laughs> really place how it worked out. Don't you go with, like into the the rivers you know, that my brain goes down? I would love to think of Jerry and Vasa as the um, fake parents as Tim Curry and, um, um, oh, my God, what's her name? Be- uh, Carol Burnett. No, uh, no Bernadette Carol Peters. Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Ooh. I love that. Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks. God, God you're driving me crazy. Whoa. <laughs> I said bull. I knew there was a B in there. That's Daddy Warbucks. Actually, interesting. Bull is a character from the Night Court. Court. (laughs) And also another bald character. (laughs) That's true. Um, Okay, these are such sad, pathetic references we're making, and nobody cares. We love No, everybody cares. They're going down where our brains go. Oh, God. I can't show my ears. They're not, they're not bell, bielved. We we have, have, they're pointy. Don't worry. They're pointy under there. They're pointy back here. I'm just trying to keep my hair out of my face. So Feyre contemplates the truths that the small tract of land where she she grew up, because as Lucian's explaining to her, like, they don't really have that area, that little that little human land below the wall on Prithian doesn't really have a king or a queen, nor have they for as long as she knows. So long that no humans around her even know whoever did rule that little piece of land. But unlike Fae, the human realm does have a number of lesser titles like dukes and earls. Mm. So they're kind of trying to sort out maybe Vass and Jury, you know, will end up ruling that area. Sick. Not that we don't know if they're in some sort of romantic tryst or not, but it seems like all three of them. I mean, sure. Oh, that's another tape I'd watch. Oh, yeah. Lucian begins to talk of how Jurian and Vasa are getting along and seems to be suggesting the way he's talking, like there's something between the lines of what he's saying, but we don't really know at this point. And before he goes much further, he changes the subject from business talk and he kind of wants to direct almost a little bit of his attention towards Elaine. And then she immediately jumps up and she's like, I'll get, I'll get drinks. Oh. So awkward. As soon as she's out of the room, Lucian asks how she's doing. And when Feyre tells him that Elaine's doing much better, Lucian wants to know if she's still in mourning over Grayson. You got to ask the question. Sometimes you got to go to the sister and be like, all right, tell me what's up. Yeah, and Feyre doesn't really want to hurt him, but she's not going to lie either. His russet eye flashed with simmering rage, an uncontrollable instinct for a mate to eliminate any threat. But he remained sitting 
even as his fingers dug into the arms of his chair. It's going to be doubly difficult because he knows he could just rip Grayson's face off with one hand. Oh, yes, he certainly could. But there but like that just so upset of just even thinking about her being with somebody else, which like. But he can't control it. Like it is part of his it's part of their their biological response. Yeah. that, That like just like even thinking about it. And then he's, and then the eyes showing him all the boobies, and then oh, like, yeah. he can't. Oh no, he I don't want to be looking at Pharaoh's breasts. But again, it's like a gynecologist; it's just a breast at this point. A breast is a breast. Mm. Save the rest for the best. Okay, Pharaoh. That's I know they teach that in gynecology school. That rhyme. Pharaoh <laughs> <laughs> tries. They teach it in gynecology school. Pharaoh <laughs> tries to gently comfort him, without putting any frills on the truth. Feyre tries to gently comfort him without putting any frills on the truth that she was deeply in love with Grayson for whatever reason she had. And it's only been a few months. Do they have anything in common? Like, what did they talk about? Like, they just, I feel like they just stared at each other in silence and they were like, I love him, but I guess that's what love used to be. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's very traditional kind yeah. of love. Yeah, who knows what was uh, going up in. Uh, we'll learn, hopefully, in Elaine's yes, story. Yes, I think story. we will learn. So. That basically explains Lucian. She still needs more time. It's really not been that long. And this kind of sets Lucian into a bad mood. And while I get it, he's being a little bit of a baby about it because Favorite tells him, you know, why don't you move to Valaris and spend some time with her? Yeah, bro, you just like up and left. Do you think that anything is going to be happening between the two of you when you're not around? Bro, come on. Think about this. Yeah. But instead, he sort of is pouting, going, it's not like she'd ever like me anyway. Ugh. And she watches Lucian kind of glaring into the fire and thinks, Fire. His mother's gift. Not his father's. Yes, it was Baron's gift. The gift of the father who the world believed had sired him. But not the gift of Helion, his true father. I still hadn't mentioned it to anyone other than Rees. And I feel like that might be... I don't know how long you should sit on that information. I get that you don't know how to say it, but I feel as though most people would resent not being told as far as Lucian not knowing. Is it kind of like Nunya? Like, is it a little Nunya business? I don't know. Like, if he doesn't know after all that time, like, I feel like I'd be uncomfortable. Like, I'm going to I mean, Reese, But, like, because that's the thing. Reese and Feyre are both not necessarily very close to him. Like, if they were besties, yes. I would let you know if I found out you had a different father. <laughs> would I'm you just going to go that? and say that I would find, if I found out through all of my very, very, when like, crazy sp- smarts. Spending time with my mom and yeah. she's gossiping. When I talk to your mom every other day yeah. on the phone. Yeah. When I call her and I go, Tell me what's the tea. What's the tea, AD? Yeah, I say, who's been popping in there? And then I would tell you. Yeah. No, I I look exactly like my father, so it would be really weird. Yeah, I also look like my dad. I guess, but... He's, if he does eventually find out and then Farrah has to be like, yeah, I've known for like 12 years. You don't think he'd be upset about it? I mean, he's going to be upset no matter what. Listen, I've seen the Sex in the City movie. Carrie and Miranda almost broke up about not telling important secrets. Well, I'm sorry that you had to see the Sex in the City movie. Yeah, Thank I you. said it. Thank you very much. I've seen and it so like many times. And just like that, I stopped watching the show. No, I'm not yeah. watching that. I can't watch the show. I can't watch the show. It's no. really bad. Once Big died on a Peloton, I was kind of out. <laughs> that was out? Then you're, then you're just out? <laughs> yeah. 
She tried again to gently offer him to stay permanently in the city, and he gets angry this time. And I envision her talking to him in that maddening way, so I don't think she's helping either because she's sort of talking, you could, he's getting angrier and she's going, well, you could just stay in the city. Shut up. Shut up. You're not helping me. Yeah, thanks. He doesn't need her charity, he says. He gets along swimmingly with Vasa and Jurian. Varys temporizes at this and snaps that it's rather interesting. He suddenly is finding himself more comfortable in the company of humans. That maybe he's enjoying being a misanthrope a little bit. A social reject. That's when Lucian starts going through his punk face. Honestly, it makes him hotter. Of course. Like, like especially, Don't you think people grave uh, the mohawk and like a safety pin through yeah, his Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Mm. That's not a punk's way of life, Lucian. You don't go through a phase. Whoa. Maybe this is the beginning of his. You never know. He's got centuries and centuries. Maybe that's him now. Maybe. Maybe this is his new version, you know? Don't gatekeep, Natalie. I won't. I won't. He gets up staring at Feyre as he coldly wishes her happy solstice. Before he storms towards the front door, Feyre feels immediate regret and tries to grab his arm, pleading for him to stay longer. Lucian studied the sitting room the foyer beyond, and the dining room on its other side. Band of exiles. I play bass. <laughs> the what? That's what we call ourselves. The band of exiles. You have a name for yourselves? I fought my incredulous tone. He nodded. Yeah. It's so they call themselves the band of exiles. Yeah, it was the band of exiles. Yeah, so like, I don't even need you. So I'm fine. And I can see your breasts, and they're not as nice as the legs. <laughs> see, that's, that would be the blow-up, because if yeah. he finally learns that Feyre knew this whole time, he'd go, guess what? I've seen your breasts this whole time. And then he'd get up, and he'd walk away, and he'd have to fight his way through balloons. Yes, he's because of course there's balloons everywhere. Yeah. Um, it seems like maybe Feyre feels a bit of jealousy, that her old friend doesn't want to be around her anymore. And that he maybe— He's got new friends. He found new friends that maybe he likes better. She well, they just understand each other more because it's not like Feyre and Lucian are in the same place in life right now. Yeah. And it, she probably doesn't really know how he's feeling or what he's going through because she has found a home and a family and he he's not really even he if she's be being a part of that family. Right. Either. Even if she she's welcoming him in, it's not really where he fits. No. And so she, I feel for him. Oh, yeah. It, you definitely. Know? Just because, like, someone's offered, just like, just stay here, just be a part of this. You can't be shoved into a box. Right. And then maybe it feels like they're just all feeling sorry for you the whole time. Yeah. And, like, pitying you. And then you're like, great. This all, I love this. Going back to my band of exiles. I'm going back to my band. You guys don't get it. Um, so. Oh, God. Just, I just had flashbacks to my ex. Just, like, anytime he was upset, just go back to the guitar. Just, like, you just hear the. Ding, 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 yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And just, like, oh, God. Let's not cross that image with, uh, Lucian. Yeah, then. no. Just sadly playing the guitar. Ugh. Like, oh, there he goes. Avoiding his feelings. Not talking about what's going on. So. <laughs> she sort of. Is still mad, though, and she mocks him for his crew name, which is fair. And he calls her an asshole. She regrets her words and apologizes before he launches into why he feels at home the most with Vasa and Jurian. That he was already in exile when he showed up on the doorstep of the spring court. Yeah. And that Feyre had ruined his chances of returning there. And then the real truth bomb. I can't stand to be in the same room as her for more than two minutes. 
So he being near Elaine is literally killing him. Of course it is. Yeah. He then reveals that thanks to Reese's appearance at the spring court the other day, Tamlin took it as the final insult, and Lucian found his clothing and belongings dumped at the doorstep of Jurian and Vass's estate. Yeah, so it's not like he's had much of a choice, Feyre. Yeah. Then we hear Reese has entered the chat, and we realize that Feyre has let Reese in through the bond during this entire conversation. Reese expresses his regret in her head and asks if he should come home to help deal with this but she tells him she's got it i know that there's like the bond and whatever and they've got that but i would be so pissed off i'd be like hey yeah i'm talking to you yeah i'm not talking to both of you like i feel like that's already annoying enough when your friend gets into a relationship and then all of a sudden you never hang out with that friend alone anymore it's always you and their friend and their partner Mm -hmm. and it's just like which is fine a lot of times but like especially when it's new where you're like y'all yeah. I have a separate relationship with her and I want to be talking to her. Go, oh, that would piss me off. Oh, and nothing, nothing's worse, too, if you're in, like, an argument with somebody and they're making eye contact with somebody behind you. Ooh. Like, one of the friends. Like, oh, don't you fuck. What do you get out of here? Don't bring them into this. This is our fight. Um. So, yeah. And he, that's how Lucian feels. Checking in, Lucian asked quietly. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, my face the portrait of boredom. He gave me a knowing look, continuing to the door and grabbing his heavy overcoat and scarf from the hooks mounted on the wall paneling beside it. The bigger box is for you. The smaller one is for her. He means he's the presents that he the brought. The presents. Before she can respond, he disappears into the busy streets. Vera stomps into the kitchen, not truly being angry with Elaine, but not knowing, knowing really where to place her emotions and is annoyed that she couldn't even be polite to him. I can't wait to find out what Elaine is thinking through all this. I know. Elaine stays silent as Feyre chastises her. And when she tells Elaine that he's brought her a present, Elaine kind of stands up for herself. Whoa. Those doe brown eyes turn toward me, sharper than I'd ever seen them. And that entitles him to my time, my affections. And she's totally right. The answer is no. She she ain't got... But also, like, why pretend when she's not feeling... like? If you decide to go that route and you decide to fake it till you make it, all right, cool. That is definitely a route for you to take. But if you're not going to take that route, why pretend if you know that you don't have it? And also, he's not putting the time in. You haven't seen him for a long time. Would you all of a sudden be like, oh, and like put your hands on his chest? No. No. But I do wonder if she's not totally banishing him from the her space because she's not sure how she's She ain't sure yet. Because she has the mating bond, too. Like, it's not as though it's only on his side. Mm-hmm. She's also feeling things for him. So, um, yeah. And so he's not entitled to her attention just because he wants it or did something unsolicited for her. Everyone. But it was nice that he got her a present. It was nice. And I actually don't think Lucian thinks that he's entitled to her either. He's just hurting. He doesn't know what to do with his feelings. Vera knows this, that Elaine's correct, but it's torn because despite their fight, she knows Lucian's a good male. He's her friend and she doesn't like seeing him hurting or Elaine. And she says as much to Elaine. And, And Elaine knows that she's she knows that Feyre's being truthful. Even though Elaine's getting a little upset, she knows is trying to just make the best of it. Yeah. Though there's been no re- resolution to this, Feyre can't think of anything to say, so she leaves Elaine to her kitchening. As she walks out towards the foyer, she finds Morgan sitting on the stairs, 
in a fashion that is not my vibe. Yeah, no, that's why I'm definitely, uh, even though I'm dressed as more today, I'm not dressed as more today. Because what am I, going to look like Diane Keaton at a beach house? <laughs> it does sound a lot like Diane Keaton. It's very, it's it very Diane Keaton. Which, again, don't get me wrong, the gloves, the hats, uh, the pantsuits, I'm into it. But Love Diane it. Keaton at a beach house? Nah, very different. I can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, good. God bless her. God bless her. Oh, God bless. Not for oh me. she looks great. Um, you're, I think you're more on one of the other nights where we're not describing her yes. outfit because in the at the parties they're all dressed in in more finery. They're dressed in their best. Right now she's in those billowy style like Volaris fashion. Uh, excuse me, fashion uh, billowy you. peach pants and a cream sweater, which is. Can you imagine how many stains I would have I would, on that? I would. 10 I would look like a, a toddler. <laughs> and I go, oh no, I got it on my cream. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. She's apparently overheard uh, a lot of the argument. Morgan was sort of standing just right outside the room and offers Feyre a glass of liquor. Oh, yes, please. The two of them sit next to each other on the stairs and slug one back before Moore offers her advice. Leave them be. Both of them stop being a busybody matchmaker and just let them figure it out on their own. Feyre knows that she's right. Moore goes on to say she knows that Feyre blames herself for her sister's fate in the cauldron. And that because of that, she wants to fix it. But it's really not her fault and also not her place to fix it. Nah. As much as she wants to interfere. She just loves to meddle. And I mean, as someone, I also am a bit of a meddler sometimes. I've learned you have to ask whether you want someone to meddle or not. It's true. Supporter solutions. Supporter solutions. Very important. It, but I will say, you know, if they didn't want that, they probably shouldn't have infantilized themselves and made their little sisters feed them and survive, like have them her be the only re- reason they didn't die. She's been in a, a maternal role right. towards them her entire life. So it's like yeah. it's hard for you to just stop it just because you fade now. Yeah. Her mom asked her to do it too. Like it's, it's. Her mom was a bad mom. Can we just say it? I guess she was a bad yeah, mom. Unless we like don't know some aspect of the story yet. It seems like why would you ask the ti- the tiniest child that they must now be the mom? Yeah. What was wrong? I mean, I know that she was sick toward the end, but was she always sick? There's so much that still needs to be answered. But there's where more are the books. answers? There are more books in the future. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicholas and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagles Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at ococean.com. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric 
with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Feyre is comforted with Moore's company and advice, as well as the liquor now swirling in her belly. And she turns to the question, uh, where's my husband? Moore's a little surprised about Feyre not knowing yet where he is, despite their solstice morning tradition going on for centuries. Moore set down her glass and gripped my arm. Come with me. Before I could object, she'd winnowed us out. Blinding light hit me, and cold. Brisk, brutal cold. Far too cold for the sweaters and pants we wore. Snow, and sun, and wind, and mountains. They're at the mating cabin! Ah, which is not just a mating cabin, it's also a ball playing cabin. Yeah, ball playing. And that's when Feyre notices the snow forts before she sees the snowballs whizzing by. Three Illyrian warriors, I said. The greatest Illyrian warriors are having a snowball fight? Moore's eyes practically glowed with wicked delight. Since they were children. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm sure it feels differently when you're Faye. But, like, if I got into a snowball fight right now, I'd be in pain for, like, seven days. Yeah, I mean, but they train physically, like, all day. All the time, so they're just so strong, so they're ready to get... Because it's like, someone asked me not that long ago if I wanted to go paintballing. I was like, no! <laughs> Look at me! Do I want to go paintballing? No! I gotta hide, and I gotta hit, and I gotta run, and it's just, no. Paintball, like, when you get hit by paintball, it hurts. Yeah, too. and it's it really hurts. Painful. Yeah. On top of it, the only thing I do in my life that I choose that it hurts is getting tattoos. Yeah. Other than, And then it's done! And then you have art forever. I like doing stuff that hurts. Yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy, girl. It's from growing up in ballet. You start doing point when you're like 11, 12. Yeah, and then all your toenails fall off. Sometimes. (laughs) I'm such a princess. I love being a princess. Uh, no, don't hurt me. No, don't hurt me. You can no, feed me. don't hurt me. You can feed me. You can compliment me. Um, we can talk about mental health. Mm. These are things that I provide as okay. a family member. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, yeah, you make and you make lasagnas. Yeah, see, Ooh. guys, I bring a lot. So add me to your family. What? I'm looking for a family. I'm leaving our family. I didn't tell you yet. I'm leaving the family. No snowballs. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Our teams are going to be uneven. (laughs) Our teams are going to be uneven. So, uh, see, they're whimsical. (laughs) Even though that they're big, brutal Lyrian warriors, they're silly. I think the hardest male of any of them to imagine doing this is Asriel. Oh, my God. Does he frown the whole time he's doing the snowball? No, I bet he takes it really seriously. Probably. 
oh my god, like when we went go karting, you know, there's some people that take it very seriously and some people that don't take yeah. it very seriously. Yeah. Um, we were told not to hit each other, and I bumped quite a bit. Yeah. And no, you and Henry had to stop playing games growing up because of violence. Oops. So Feyre's stunned by this entire revelation, but more is just like, let's go drink more inside the cabin. It's a nice chapter because you feel the happiness and amusement radiating out of Feyre as well as the Batman. It's a very just a joyful scene. Yes. After they watch the snow battle for a few moments, the two females make their way through the snow to the cabin to get swizzy. We're with Feyre's POV again in chapter 19 as she and Moore are snuggled under a blanket together. Azrael has won the snowball fight, so his seriousness is paid off. And the males are coming in from the cold for only a moment before they announce that the three of them are embarking on another tradition, going to a steam room behind the cabin together. And they're all gonna kiss. Well, they call, okay, so Moore calls it the Birchin, and I couldn't find if this was a real term for a steam room. I googled Birchin steam, and it is a just straight wall of gay Illyrian sex fanfic. Yes! Um, so I'm not sure where that word originates from. Feyre's marveling at the thought of the three of them in there together as Moore explains the process. Yeah, I'm marveling at the thought as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, I am still marveling. <laughs> when Reese appears down the bond and, and asks if she wants to take a look. <laughs> They begin to flirt with each other, and Reese warns her it's not good form to be erect while you're in the steam room. Yeah, dude, others. especially you're gonna smell like it too. That is not He's the, the time. It's his fault. He was the one who entered the chat. Oh, Feyre responds by sending him an image from her memory from the day in the cabin. I heard a door slamming somewhere in the house, followed by a distinctly male yelp, then banging as if someone was trying to get back inside. Moore's eyes sparkled. You got him kicked out, didn't you? My answering smile set her roaring. Very funny. Yes. Too horny for the steam room. (laughs) That's the worst part about smelling your horniness, because then you got to get kicked out of the steam room. I love a spa so much, but I'm not a huge steam room person. And, like... I have no issue being unclothed around people in a spa, but it feels like if you have a penis and it has the ability to become erect, it might be. Isn't it awkward if everybody's in a room together? Yeah, but you've got like a towel over you, right? Or I guess they don't some, have the towel. I don't know. Some do. Probably. I don't really know. And the smell on top of it. Well, Ooh, I mean, inside the, of the steam room. Oh, the, too. like just the regular smells of human. Yes, of penises. Just, uh, yeah, and all, and just, and also just the the crevasses that are let loose, and it's just. Bleh. Yeah, I'm not a big steam room. Yeah, nah. I'm I'm bad at all of it, but I also am bad at taking baths. I can't just like sit there because I immediately oh, I sit there. It. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Relax. I'm, I'm done. Jackie. You're I'm supposed done. to relax. I've got things to get done. <laughs> no, no. Later that day, as they are all gathered at the townhouse with the sun setting through the windows, Reese raises his glass in a toast to the blessed darkness from which we are born and to which we return. Bleak, Which I think is, but I like I it. I gotta think it's fun. No, I it's think very rock metal. roll. Yeah. Um, everyone's got their Fae Finest on this eve, and Feyre's got her Starfall, Starfair Bear. Starfair Bear. Got her Starfall Ball gown on, which she fancies and wears whenever she gets the opportunity. I get it. I just, I'm begging for an opportunity. I might wear my wedding dress to the Starfair Bear next year. I think 
Because I, I just it. want another opportunity to wear it. I get that. Yeah, I'm going to probably get fit changes because this is the time. Oh, man. We are going to we are gonna be bringing the face into the stir for mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. you guys wait and see. So Elaine's here, of course, because everyone's there. And she's dressed in an amethyst gown, which is like why I was just like, I like oh, it. Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. You're Elaine. Um, and as Feyre approaches her... She's trying to greet Elaine, but then suddenly a swarm of shadow and muscle passes by her, speeds past to greet Elaine first. And oh. who would it be but Asriel? Asriel. He greets her with a happy solstice. Elaine specifically, he greets her. And Feyre's like, okay. God, if I had a choice between Lucian and Asriel, my life. Can you imagine, like, oh, no, which really hot guy do I choose? They're well, you can just, broody. you know, how, do you know how much fanfic there is of the three of them? Mm, yeah. It's endless. I've uh, looked up a couple. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Have you taken a gander? Maybe, yeah. But just a couple, couple ganders. You're a little goosey. A couple, oh, yeah, a lot of goose. Yeah. She greets it. <laughs> so then Feyre goes on to the rest of the party. She starts watching Amran and Moore speak and greeting each other before she turns to find Reese holding a giant birthday cake in her face. She's slightly mortified, but I don't think she actually is. No. As they all tease her about not getting out of a birthday party. Because, of course, if you recall, it's her 21st it's birthday. birthday. She turns to ask Elaine if she made the cake, and she says, yes, she did, and that Nuala actually decorated it. It was then that I realized what the three different tiers had been painted to look like. On the top, flowers. In the middle, flames. And on the bottom, widest layer, stars. It's their chest of drawers. Oh, my God. That's cute. It is. I asked Nuala to do it in that order. Elaine said as the others gathered round. Because you're the foundation, the one who lifts us. You always have been. And it was the bottom drawer, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, also, yeah, she lifts us. Was it, though, on the actual oh, drawers? I don't know. I would just assume because she said that she did it in the orders of the layers. I don't know. Maybe Actually, not. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. Elaine came up with a metaphor on her own. I'm proud of her. I'm proud she got out of her baby ways just for a moment. Mm-hmm. She took a little SAT test and she went, ah, yes. a comparison, a likeness, yes. Vaver is moved beyond words and more saves her from becoming verklempt by demanding that she make a wish so they can open the presents already. I met Reese's stare over the sparkling candles. His smile was enough to make the tightness in my throat turn into burning in my eyes. She then realizes in that moment she knows what she wants her wish to be. She doesn't tell us just yet, but she feels it with her whole heart. It actually does make sense that the stars would be on the top. But then she's crushing everybody else. Yeah, with her. Oh, with the sky. Yeah, with the sky, right? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. I'll let it go now. Yeah. But they I didn't was just take, still thinking they about didn't it. Ta- they didn't have geography classes. So they they go, don't where know. do the stars go? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> they're on the bottom. They're on the bottom. Technically, they are because if they have a planet like we do, there are stars below us as well. You are. That is true. We are ever spinning into the nothing. Watch Aniara. I still think about Aniara. It's a movie I watched during the pandemic that I can never un- remember, and I think about it all the time. Okay. If you want to get got by a sci-fi movie, Aniara. Just saying. All right. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. 
We're forever. That's grifting. this week's Jackie yells a recommendation. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, it's very nice. I have multiple friends. We have to hear from Holden McNeely over on page seven every year. Someone that has a birthday very close to which I will only call the solstice. Um, very close to the solstice, and so he never gets remembered, and so he's always screaming about. But how... he's the opposite of Pharaoh, where Pharaoh wants to be hidden back in the shadows, and he goes, "Where's my birthday? Yes, I'm Holden. It's Holden's birthday. It's Holden's birthday." Um, and yet still we never celebrate it every year. <laughs> he does scream about it, but we never do anything about it. That's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, he's fine. They all, we watch them. We cut over to the next part of this chapter of them all enjoying the birthday cake before dinner since it's solstice. And then Reese snaps his finger and the whole room is filled with presents because this is Christmas porn. Yay! Except if you search that, um, it will not. It will mostly be Santas and elves doing unspeakable things. So and don't maybe Google a Mrs. that term. Claus thrown in there every once in a while. Maybe a couple of reindeer. Really depends on the day. Oh God! Think about the consent. That's please, not what Santa. I meant by it. It's not what oh. I meant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we learn that Reese is now the guardian of all gifts every solstice because none of them can be trusted not to snoop. Amron begins the onslaught of present ripping, followed by more, which she's opened Cassian's gift first, which turns out to be lingerie. Feyre is startled before Moore tells her he just picked out exactly what she commanded him to do, which is like lacy red lingerie. You know that Cassian is bad at gift giving, so just get what you want. Yeah. They're all laughing and joking and having a grand old not Christmas solstice. It's solstice, everybody. Uh, Anyways, they're making jokes about the lingerie. They're doing this. uh, They're all like making japes about it. Yeah. Ferris surprised in that moment to hear Elaine laughing. She's delighted and ho- hope courses through her that maybe, just maybe, Elaine will be all... And then they hear it. <gasps> the doom rattle of a hard knock at the door. A beat. And then I was moving, dress swishing around me as I crossed into the foyer, heaved open the leaded glass door and the oak one beyond it then braced myself against the onslaught of cold. Against the onslaught of Nesta. Dun, dun, dun! <gasps> Nesta showed up! And it's like, I imagine it's one of those, they're relieved and also not happy yes. about it. Well, it's like, in, in the same way, too, when you ask someone to come to something and you want them to come, but you also are nervous about what they're going to say, how they're going to act, how the vibes are going to change when they come in. Because it's like, we, I think everyone has had a friend in their life that, like, it's like, well, we don't know how it's going to happen if they show up to the party. Ooh, what's good? You, you were never that. When were you that? Maybe before I met you. I don't think I've been that. Because, I mean, but we've all had those friends when you're just like, oh, vibe, we're going to have to have a hard vibe check after they get here to see if everyone's still cool with this. And if you don't have any friends like that, you're the friend. You're the friend. <laughs> I mean, I was say, I'm sure I've said this on here before, but like I read this thing that was like, if you don't have a naked neighbor, you're the naked neighbor. And I keep thinking about it every time I'm kind of nude in front of an open, like, an is open a, window. Is that the science? That if you don't have a nude neighbor, you're the nude neighbor. And I'm worried I'm the nude neighbor. I may have said this before, but it's still a worry of mine. Well, just stop walking around the driveway with no clothes on. Oops, but that's how I get my male. (laughs) And my female. Wink. 
Whoa. Uh, Feyre and Nesta are now face-to-face at this door, neither really sure of how to proceed. So Feyre just says, we're in the sitting room. Come in. They don't say hi or anything. Nesta regards her coldly, as you would probably expect. The room has gone pretty silent, and Elaine rushes forward and tries to normalize this as much as possible, taking her arm and saying, oh, ta-ta-ta, come in, ha-ha, let me get you things, and kind of pulls Nesta in, and everyone is having a I'm-the-most-casual contest, especially (laughs) Cassian. He was the portrait of relaxed, an arm braced against the carved mantle, his wings tucked in loosely a faint grin on his face, and a glass of wine in his hand. He slid his hazel eyes toward my sister without him moving an inch. It's a good image. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Real hot, just him all slung And then just, like, kind of looking out of the corner of his eye. Hey, Oh, you're here. Cool. (laughs) I should keep drinking my wine. It's not like I have a crush on you or anything. No, no, I'm not, like, absolutely obsessed with you or anything. Then Amarin does her thing that she does and kind of changes the tone in the room. It refers to Nesta's bony ass and tells Elaine to get her some food. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Yeah, but Amarin and Nesta, like, have their thing. Yeah, they have some sort of bitch bond. They do have a bitch bond. Yeah. So Nesta just smiles slightly and says... Nice earrings. As Feyre, because she got earrings for Christmas. Nice. I don't think I mentioned that. As Feyre's trying to normalize this at warp speed, she offers Nesta food as Elaine shoves a glass of wine into her hand. And same girl, people want me to have that glass ASAP when That's I walk in the room. Normalize it. Everybody's not drinking. That's not going to become a problem later on. <laughs> what? No. No. No, no nobody's going to get too drunk. I guess. No, they do get drunk. I'm surprised that they get drunk like in the fey world like, really it is something that like uh, like i'm surprised i guess they would have stuff that's strong enough that would get them going but like it must have taken a long time to get something that like really truly affects them you maybe know? i just always saw it on the other side of that they can drink and then they don't have hangovers oh wouldn't that be nice yeah with surprise favorite notices elaine also quietly take a glass of liquor to the face uh, just probably to deal with Nesta. Yeah. Nesta puts her eyes on the birthday cake for the first time and very quietly wishes Feyre a happy birthday. Whoa. So far, we're getting Nesta as not in a festive mood, but not stomping around like an angry drunk elephant. Not yet. So that's goodish. Yeah. Feyre begs Reese down the bond to start talking so they can make this less awkward. And he begins a conversation with Farian. This sets off the rest of them to resume what they were doing, opening presents and talking and laughing. Elena's prepared gifts in the case that Nesta might show up. So Nesta gets to open things, too. And Nesta seems genuinely pleased with the gift that Elaine got her. Five romance novels that she picked out for her. I mean, I would also love that as a gift, Elaine, just so you know. Please give me some romance novels. Yes, please. That's what Nesta needs. It's just nice to know that Nesta has some passion of something. Like, I do feel like her reading is a sign that she's just not completely given up on life yeah and on herself and yeah like the, it's the only form of self-care she does because i do see reading as self-care definitely and i think that like like she still has that semblance of it so she hasn't completely lost herself yet no and then cassian opens the gift from more and it is matching red silk underpanties yes. to her lingerie 
which is obviously a joke from Moore because Moore had told Cassian exactly what to get her. And so she kind of just did this as like a funny thing. But everybody's trying not to act like Nesta and Cassian are like something's happening between them. And so Feyre's like, and Nesta just pretends to be deeply invested in her new books as this is all going on. Also, I do want to say there's nothing wrong with someone saying, this is what I want for my birthday, for a holiday. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Communicate that shit. I feel like it's like because we spend so much time getting something and then you're just like, oh, thanks. That like you can ask for what you want. If there's something that you want that like you think would be a good gift for someone to get you, say it. So you don't you're not always just let down. Jackie personally would like some more owl trinkets. I want owls. If there is an <laughs> owl on it, send it to me. I want everything. I'm and then I'm gonna do because my mom also has an owl thing, and then I'm gonna say all the time that my husband is gonna become my father, and my, like my father always says is this isn't a home, it's a nest. It's not a home, it's a nest. That was a good impersonation. Thank you. Yeah, he says it all the time. Um, Well, can't wait for that crossover from Jeff to your your father. Oh, God, it's what I'm hoping for. I don't have father issues. Um, (laughs) 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 Whoa. (laughs) This is... So then after Nessa is pretending like she's not looking or feeling mad about the underwear thing, uh, Feyre tries to turn attention back to other things by handing out other gifts that she has brought. Some people get store-bought things and some get paintings. Oh, my God. The next few pages describe all the gifts they give to each other. We don't really need to go over them. But they describe the way and they it's, in a, it's sort of a scene painting the picture of... Nah. Uh, nah. How much? Nah. How much they care for one another. Um, yes, are beautiful. thoughtful, and they and we get a full sense of how cherished Feyre is and her new family. Mm-hmm. Feyre notes that this is Reese's second solstice since Amarantha. Don't bring that up. Ugh. And how she can't even imagine what those forty nine were like under the mountain because we already know a little bit about what happened. Then she presents him with his own painting and tells him that she wants him to have this because. For on that painting, I'd shown him what I had not revealed to anyone, what the Ouroboros had revealed to me, the creature inside myself, the creature full of hate and regret and love and sacrifice, the creature that could be cruel and brave, sorrowful and joyous. Which, of course, is probably a metaphor for love, you know, because the person you love sees all of your ugly bits and still loves you back. But also, like, it's still solstice. Girl, like, can't we do this later? Like, it's like, I want, it's like having this, like, really intense. I feel like anytime, like, there's an, like, whenever we give, like, a gift to each other that, like, really means something, I do it outside of the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that's when we give our, like, very meaningful, touching gifts because it's like, I don't want to have to explain it to anybody. I don't want anyone to know. Like, I feel like if you're giving them what you saw in the Ouroboros, maybe do it. Not in front of everybody. Yeah. But I guess they're able to talk through the bond so they can have their bond conversation. Yeah. And I feel like they're always just in those intimate moments anyway. Like, they're almost fucking each other every second. Man, I would be so annoyed to be around them. Like, I'd be happy for them, but also there's a time and a place. Yeah. Well, too bad. Because (laughs) that's what they're doing there. It brings Rizan to tears, and he tells her that she is beautiful down the pond. She responds that he's also beautiful. I know. He replies. Feyre laughs, and then she's left with two of the final gifts, the ones Lucian brought for Feyre and Elaine. 
I opened mine to find a gift for me and my mate. Three bottles of fine liquor. You'll need it, was all the notes said. I handed Elaine the small box with her name on it. Her smile faded as she opened it. He has bought her a pair of enchanted gloves that are meant to protect your hands while gardening. This is such a thoughtful gift. It is. Elaine looks very uncomfortable, and she puts the box down without further comment. Feyre's thoughts after this are interesting. She ponders herself whether Elaine would want those gloves because she may enjoy getting her hands dirty, to be proud to have the little scrapes and smudges because it means that she did the work. And at first, I felt a little embarrassed for Lucian thinking, you know, because at first it's just the immediate knee jerk. It's like, oh, he doesn't even know her. It's just like. Right. And then. But it's because he's try He desperately he wants, wants to know to. her. Yes. So what first may be perceived as a thoughtless gift is actually perhaps him agonizing over what to get her with the tiny little scraps of knowledge that he has about her. But also as someone that is a gardener, like, there are sometimes when you're, like, dealing with, like, really rough stuff that, like, using gloves and, like, helping, it's like, if you're dealing with something with thorns or if you're dealing with cacti or, it's like, I actually see it as, like, like, he knows the gardening that is something that she's interested in and, and really thought about. Her. Oh, totally. And and the the more intimate side of maybe Elaine not wanting that sort of uh, protection is something that he just simply hasn't had access to the information about. Yeah. Um, and it's so sad because she doesn't even say, like, oh, how nice or anything. She just kind of, like, puts it down. So then they move on. As Amran is opening her final haul of jewels and treasures, Moore finds one tiny box left addressed to Azriel. Aline quietly lets him know it's from her. Azriel's face didn't so much as shift at the words, not even a smile as he opened the present and revealed. A powder. It's anthrax. Oh, my God. It's the year 2003. She's been a double agent this whole time. She kills them all. No, she explains that she had Maja make up a powder that helps with headaches. The headaches he always gets from everyone because he's always rubbing his temples. Silence again. Then Azrael tipped his head back and laughed. I'd never heard such a sound, deep and joyous. And... We don't ever see Asriel laughing. No. Feyre notes that she's never seen his hazel eyes so bright. You know, that's the thing. Like, we all want to slurp. We want to slurp up Asriel like he's a big, thick stoop. But then you think, like, do you want to be with someone that never laughs? No. No, I don't. I don't want to be with someone that's not joyous. The thought of him is so, like, hubba yubba. But, like, the reality of him, I'd be like, man, we're not going to, like, laugh. Like, we can't just sit and be stupid together. That's why those sad boys are not not. You it. think you want them. Especially when you're younger. Because they're like, oh, they're so deep. They're yeah. so deep. A lot of times they're not. We actually. just we sit and thinking, Constantine is walking down the stairs. <laughs> Doesn't she look good? Standing in her underwear. I will sing the entire Something Corporate's Constantine. It's like a 17-minute long please, song. Please, please, can we not? <clears throat> Ezreal, I love you. I'll fix you. Well, Farah is not really making much comment on it, but it obviously seems like there might be a love triangle in the mix, mm-hmm. a little in the air. Farah then notices Nesta at the other side of the room as this is all happening. 
as everybody's kind of cracking up and and sort of marveling over Elaine's hilarious present, which for Elaine, I mean, this was a pretty funny it's cute. thing to yes. do. And Nesta's there, stiff, silent, and not joining in on the laughter. Fair gets a sense that she's taken aback by Elaine laughing. Her precious pet, her sister daughter, laughing with the Valerians, fitting in with Feyre's merry circle. As if Nesta were looking at us through some sort of window. As if she were still standing out in the front yard, watching us in the house. I forced myself to smile, though, to laugh with them. I had a feeling Cassian was doing the same. Which I've, I've been there before, where, where you don't feel like, this you feel like an alien in a room of people you just you're not in a place mentally where you can get along or like feel happy or yes especially when you can see it that's the worst when like i refer to it as like bad brain days like when you're in that spot and you can literally it's almost like you're looking at yourself from the outside where you're like hey chill out if you could just like smile and just like pretend to be a part of it just for a while like you'll feel better and you can hear your outside self telling you this and then on your inside just like no, won't, can't, won't. And it's so, the struggle is so difficult. Yeah. Like, I feel for Nesta so hard in this because, like, we're not inside of her brain, so we don't know what's going on inside of it. And I know soon we're going to learn so much more about Nesta, but when you're, like, fighting with yourself, like, can't you just, please, be, you know, not, like, I, I mean this what of what I say to myself, like, right. please be normal. Please just be normal. Can you just be normal just for a little bit? And you can't. Yeah. And I do feel bad for her in this moment, but then I stop feeling bad for her in the next chapter. I know. Nesta remains, though, through the rest of the frivolities, quietly sitting back and observing. She stays until the others start to wrap it up, leaving around 2 a.m. And after giving Elaine a kiss on her, the top of her head, makes her way towards the front door. No one else offers their goodbyes, except Feyre, who follows her and hands her a slip of paper. Nesta doesn't understand at first. But Feyre explains, it's the three months rent, as I promised, when they were at the wolf's den. For a moment, I prayed she wouldn't take it, that she would tell me to tear it up. But Nesta's lips only tightened, her fingers unwavering as she took the money. Feyre watches her hurry into the freezing night air, not once looking back, and feels a sense of sorrow and hopelessness. She almost doesn't notice the floor vibrating under her feet. It happened so fast I barely had time to realize that Cassian had gone storming past, right out the front door, to my sister. Mm. Whoa. Oh, my God. I remember reading it the first time and being like, oh, go get her, go get her. And chapter one opens with us back with Cassian's third person limited, and he is miffed. Yeah. He's miffed, I tell you. Yeah, dude. He's barreling towards the retreating figure of Nesta, furious that she would just leave, not saying anything to anyone, not giving an explanation of why she's been acting the way she has, not saying anything to him. But then he gets to her and he doesn't know what to say. So he just tells her that he's going to walk her home. It startles Nesta enough that she pauses her steps, but quickly dresses him down with a glare. I'm fine. Cassian isn't giving up that easily. He tells her it's for her own safety. All the thoughts running through his head, he can't get them out of his mouth. Things he thinking, he's thinking, you haven't talked to me. You've pushed me away after the battle. Why? 
why when she had been willing to die in those last moments on top of his own body? Well, he understands to an extent. He goes on in his thoughts to remember that as a battle, even as a battle-tested warrior, he knows the deep, lacerating trauma that comes from those first battlefields, the shock and the horror. He acknowledges that he himself is still pulling himself back together after the battle with Highburn. Nesta, ever a queen without a kingdom, holds her chin up to him and demands he return to the townhouse. Oh, she's making me so mad. Mm. Oh, she's making me so mad. Cassian, seeming to know so many of her tells, gives her a half grin and slickly says he was going to walk home. A walk out here anyway, so I'm just going to be over here. He's such the cutest himbo, though. He is. She gives up and she just begins walking without another word for at least a minute. Then she whirls on him and shouts at him to go away. He gives her another smart, ag- smart alecky response, and then her eyes go wide as she realizes Cassian's holding out a wrapped gift in his hand. <gasps> Again, this part breaks my heart. He tells her it's her solstice gift, and she tells him she I don't want a present, refuses to take it from his hands, and walks past him. But he thinks she'll want the one he found for her if you open it. He prayed she would. It had taken him months to find it. Nesta fell into step beside him, huffing as she kept up with his long strides. I don't want anything from you. He made himself arch an eyebrow. You sure about that, sweetheart? I have no regrets in my life but this, that we did not have time. Cassian shut out the words, shut out the image that chased him from his dreams night after night, he means he's talking about the images that are chase, he's chasing from his dreams as the moment before his impending death, when she covered his body with her own, tried to use her own body as a shield over his. He tries to shut out the thoughts, tries not to think about the males he knows she's been sleeping with, tries not to wonder if any of them mean anything to her. He feels defeated, isn't sure why he tried at all after, and actually... This moment here, he says the time that she kneed him in the balls, which is a reference to the bonus chapter. Um, a little spoiler. There's some knee balling. Ball kneeing? Yeah, ball kneeing. Ball kneeing. Ball kneeing uh, in it. Uh, and when I had first read this book, I hadn't read. I didn't know that chapter existed. So I thought yeah. this was just referencing some off-camera interaction somewhere. Right. Um, but he doesn't know why he's tried after all of this. He begins to loosen his temper, and as she continues to try to shake him off, he asks her if she's going to even try making it an effort in the coming year. She snaps that she didn't ask to be here, so why should she try? They continued this argument on the street, both of them rising in anger with each word. She begins to walk away from him again, and he tells her at, to at least come live at the house. Stop! She snarled. He halted in his tracks, wings spreading slightly to balance him. Stop following me. Stop trying to haul me into your happy little circle. and Stop doing all of it. Oh, my God. I've totally been here in my life. I think that's part of the reason why I get so mad at Nesta during all of this. Because, like, I've totally been this person before in my life of just, like, not accepting anybody's help and just being so angry and so self-righteous. And, like, but also traumatized, especially after going through something big and you're just like, no one's ever going to understand what I'm going through when, like, if you could just open yourself up a little bit. 
you could talk to somebody else. You could find some solace in, in friendship. Like, it's so hard. I think that's why it gets so upset with her. Yeah, and it's hard. And in this moment, we really don't have a full grasp of what is going on in her head. Right. So is she just a horrible, mean monster? We don't know. Um, Cassian doesn't think so. He thinks he sees her truly, knows that she doesn't actually want to be this way, but that she, as he says, is a, quote, wounded animal, pulling up every barrier she can reach to save the last bits of herself. He tries a different tactic, telling her her sisters love her, at least try for them. And that seems to take all of the rage away from her, not in a good way. She goes dead behind the eyes. She turns on him, and in desperation, he reaches out for her hand. Talk to me, Nesta, tell me. When she rips her hands away, he hopes that she will unleash the anger because it's at least something, and that the dam will finally break, and he'll get something from her. But instead, she only stares, and then she looks at him like he's a joke, and she leaves. And then he's just standing there. Rejected after exposing his heart to her. Oh, it's so brutal. You. It's so oh, brutal. Thank you, Gazian. Uh, I'll talk to you about my feelings. I'll tell you everything you want. I it's it's I can't even keep them inside anymore. It's it's a problem. <laughs> I see Jeff and I just go because that's what happens when you start having an open communication relationship. You can't keep anything inside anymore. I'll try to get the message to him. Could you let him know for me? That would be great. Um, <laughs> and it's like, in that moment, he's not even feeling really anger at her. All he can think about is that he's a nothing. Like, she kind of just looked at him that yeah. way. He's just a nothing lowborn bastard Illyrian. And he's been treated like that by so many people his entire life. And just like, the last thing he wants is for her to treat him like that. Yes. Uh, and so... Yeah, it's obviously not true. Cassian is too good for her. Yeah. But he realizes he's humiliated in that moment and he's holding her gift, this rare and tiny manuscript that he searched, he tracked down painstakingly because he knew she loved books. And he's good a at A tiny gifts. book. A tiny book. It's very cute and a very himbo-y where it's just like, oh, oh it's a book, book. a little book. <laughs> it's a tiny book than other books. Uh, it's <laughs> yes, he's Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, a little bit. No, it's incredible. Nesta! No, God. That's different. No, it's, it is actually an incredibly thoughtful gift. And it's also a bit vulnerable of him since it would have been obvious that he spent a lot of time and effort getting it. For because her. we already know that Cassian's bad at gift giving. So it's like this is something that he like really went through. Remember all the blouses? All the blouses. Um, oh, that's Morgan. Oh, that's Morgan. Yeah. Blouses. But Cassian, you know, that look that's a clearly a, a, a special thing that he found for her. Mm-hmm. Feeling anger, feeling a fool. His emotions get the better of him, and before he can stop himself, he chucks the gift into the Sidra. And he's strong. He throws it so hard it cracks through the ice and disappears under the surface, likely already on its way to the sea. Well, don't do that. I mean... Yeah, it's too late. We're at a different time. It's like one of those. Oh, I've this, there's no returning back. But now the gift's gone. Can't get it. Yeah, it's gone now. Then, for the first time in the book, we get a section of a character shift and not a full chapter. This is the only time we we hear from Nesta. Little bits, little bits, and it's just little more than a passage. And it's in addition to Cassian's chapter, which is a little foreshadowing. Mm. This isn't any. 
There isn't any Nesta POV in the bonus chapter either. So this is really the first time we hear from her. It's in third person limited and we get the image of a broken person. The passage begins with Nesta having finished her walk back to her apartment. And it's really the image is being painted. Her apartment is dark and cold. The first sentence tells us that her door is made of creaking, rotting wood. I visioned this like um, every Michael, apartment we lived in in our twenties. No, I was thinking oh. of Michael Caine's um, place in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh is yeah, what okay. I was specifically thinking, and then she goes up to the thing and goes, "No!" When you try to rap on the door. Okay, well, we'll go with that one. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking more about like. No cheeses the, for us. The, the hovels I lived inside of in South Philly. That also, yeah, yeah just filled with um, just like booze, empty booze bottles yeah. everywhere. Nope, no yeah. furniture. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicholas and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagles Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at ococean.com. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. If you'll recall, she's chosen to live in the closest thing to a slum that Valaris has. We don't fully know why at this point, but you can make a couple guesses. Um, after her interactions with Feyre and Cassian, we get the idea that whatever distant and unapproachable traits she carried before the war have now multiplied. Great. But it's not so simple as that, because if that were the case... She could be living a bankrolled, exotic life, living in lavish quarters and trying to seduce the top noble males of the night court. Now, don't get me wrong. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. If that were the case where she just became more aloof or something, it's like, well, she's this is Nesta. She's going to live this other life. You could even see her moving to the Hewn City and being like, she's thriving. I guess we just leave, leave, her, leave her be. Right. But, but this is like sort of a, a, a quiet cry for help. In oh, yeah. This is spiraling. But even though she, you know, because she's being funded, as she's never had a job. <laughs> she's living in squalor, frequenting, frequenting dive bars and barely eating. She's certainly not out buying jewels like her girl, Amarin. Well, Amarin's having, I mean, she's having a lay, lay day. She is. Oh, she's having fun over there, man. Yeah, she is. No, Nesta's fading away, but she won't reach out. In this passage, we hear in her thoughts, and she could feel in her very blood that, quote, he had followed her the rest of the way home from the air. Even after she humiliated him, he still made sure she got into her apartment safely. I love him, Natalie! Hopefully he gets his dick sucked. <laughs> but, like, you know that's not why he's following her. No, of course not. He's following her just to make sure that she gets home safely because she's not living in a good part of town. So we learn through her thoughts in those moments that she has animosity towards him, but it's a quiet personal kind. It's not just an outright hatred or a like she's not afraid of him. She doesn't actually there's such a subtle difference between somebody who genuinely wants to like some just I hate you are like creeping me out, out by somebody you are following yes. me. I don't like this. It's her pushing him away in a way that is different. It's just a different feeling. Mm-hmm. Um she tries to then go through her thoughts of what just happened in the night, and she looks for the shame inside of her for taking the banknote, but she can't find it. She hadn't felt anything in months. Had days when she didn't really know where she was or what she'd done. They passed swiftly and yet dripped by. So did the months. She'd blinked and winter had fallen. Blinked and her body had turned too thin, as hollow as she felt. So we also learn that she chooses to freeze at night in order to avoid lighting a fire in this chapter because she reveals that all she can hear when the logs pop is her father's neck snapping. Therapy. She needs it. Man, if anybody needs it, it's her. If you, every time you hear fire, hear the pop of your father's neck snapping... You probably talked somebody, Matt. You're probably not going to be having a good time at a party. No, no, because you're too busy. Just and especially like in in a solstice affair, how many fires there are inside? Yeah, there, she can't even bring herself to be able to say it to anybody. Oh, oh Nesta. fire inside! AFI, another band. Oh my God, boys! Yes, yeah, sad boys today. Um, I think that alone, that PTSD would be enough to isolate a person. Yeah. Uh, intrusive thoughts. She turns on her light to get Cassian to leave because she assumes he's waiting to see signs of life in the apartment. She hears his wings launch away. Nesta loosed a shuddering sigh and slid down the wall until she was sitting against it. Until she drew her knees to her chest and stared into the dimness. Still, the silence raged and echoed around her. Still, she felt nothing. And that's all we get from Nesta in this book. Um, just the portrait of the uh, someone completely alone, living inside like a glass dome. 
And no wonder it manifests in anger because that really is at that point like such an easier thing to grasp mm-hmm. than the nothing. Yeah. It's so much easier to spew out hatred rather than try to share actually I do, I'm not feeling anymore. Yeah. And it's such a helpless feeling mm-hmm. to feel like you've got nothing, that you feel hollow and empty. It's so I feel for I'm so glad that we had just this glimpse of Nesta at this point. Yeah. Because it immediately and like it immediately shifted how I felt about her. Totally. And also just made me like so I couldn't wait to read the the next book. Yes. So it was good good chapter writing for that. Um but and also, you know, she wasn't d- doing great before this battle. It wasn't like she was like crushing it and feeling good and being like emotionally healthy. Nah. So after this horrible thing, it's just like it took her to another deep and like going through the cauldron and all that shit. Yeah. So it's just like hit after hit after hit. Now she doesn't know how to get out. So we return to Feyre in chapter 22, who notes Cassian's returning to the townhouse, not in a great mood, uh, slugging back a full glass of liquor and then heading to his room. So this is him coming back from that fight. Ugh. Then she describes seeing Asriel and Elaine sitting together in the sitting room. Okay. The latter is showing Asriel her gardening plants. Okay. I'm sure Asriel really cares. Like, wow. Wow. Mm. Oh, good. Oh, and you're going to make this a bigger square oh, over here. Oh, cool. Oh, and those seeds will go in that spot. Whoa. I don't mean to be hating on gardeners, by the way. I'm a gardener. I, yeah, I, you're I, a gardener. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I talk very to difficult. Gardeners. How often did I do I talk to you about gardening? You used to talk about cactuses all the time. I did. I used to, well, I used to talk about my, my, my veggies a lot because, and you know, veggies, I'd yes. have to go and kill the caterpillars. And, like, if, if you're an, in a, having your own battle, of sorts in your own garden, yes. But for the most part, you know, you you keep it from people that don't care. It's an easy thing not to care about. I understand. They're just plants. But I love plants. They're so cool. I just, I I can't, I need something that demands food from me like a dog Mm. to keep it alive. Yes. Yeah, Um, but what about when they wilt and they go, mommy, mommy, I need mommy. You're not selling me on it. Yeah, when they start calling you mommy, that's when you go, yes, I give you the fertilizer. And then you put it in your mouth and then you spit it, spit it in. Spit it in. Yeah, I baby birds. They're not birds. You baby plant. Baby plant. Um, so Feyre notes this without any real suspicion. Also, I don't think she would care if Elaine was happy with if there was something going on there. But as far as we know, there's nothing romantic happening between the two of them. Nah. As she begins to take off her diamond cuffs, readying herself for bed, Reese stops her, smiling. He tells her to hold on. And before she can ask any questions, he winners her to the cabin. <laughs> he tells her it's for some peace and quiet, but he has that little wink in his voice. They begin to whisper sweet nothings, and Feyre remarks on how she favors her starfall dress, even though high ladies are probably supposed to wear new dresses every day. She asks where he gets got this one and all of the beautiful gowns that are her favorites that he's presented her. He seems surprised and asks if she hadn't figured it out yet. He then reveals his mother made them. Feyre is shooketh. This is so sweet. It is, but part of me does weird me out of like, oh, I'm wearing mommy's dresses that you rip off of me before you eat me out for yeah. hours at a time. Can you just imagine an Earth side if a mother was like, 
to her little son. I'm making dresses for your na- your wife, but the woman you're going to get married to. You're going to fuck in these dresses, I'm boy. making your future yeah. wives' yeah. clothing. Yeah, peel them off for you. You're going to leave them on the floor underneath your spend. Talk about a toxic boy, Mom. Yeah. But, but no, in, know, this, in this context, sweet. it's cute. It's sweet. It is. It's very sweet. And, you know, I guess... Also, yeah, yeah, Reese's mom, better hope that Reese, if Reese turned out gay, his partner would be into femme stuff. Yeah, right? She was really hoping, um, hoping against hope many centuries earlier. And just also, she must be this size waist. That's the whole thing, too. What if she's plus size? Oh, thank God. Oh, no, Reese was never going to be with a plus size <laughs> fae. Thanks so much. Yeah. Got to let them all out, Reese. I think maybe in this contest context with matehood and stuff in the world we're to infer that Feyre and Reese were like called yeah cauldron, cauldron blast. blast and she knew on some level in her motherhood that it was gonna be her it was gonna be her um but yeah Feyre though is touched it's nice in the scene it's nice it they is. don't take it as sardonically as we take it no and she tells Reese she's Did honored use that word properly <laughs> uh, I would say maybe cynically. <laughs> cynically. <laughs> As I said, I'm like, that's not the time to get us out. You know, that's fine. 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 It's fine. Uh, we're being a little cynical. Yes. But uh, she tells Reese that she's honored beyond words that these were made by his mother's hands. Reese is, is moved as well and, and tells her with tears in his eyes that his mom would have loved Feyre. They connect in these moments, just sharing space. And then Farrah tells him that she would like her tattoos altered. Since he doesn't need the eyes anymore on her palms to check in, that she would like them changed. He set a hand on his broad chest. I never snoop. She's like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, She says that she wants the night court insignia instead. The one that is on his knees. We've had this knee debate before, but I think the tattoos are right above. I think they're above the knee. The because knee. you kneel, because he kneels before no one but his court. So he would have to be able to kneel, right? There. So I think it would be atop it. Yeah, because then that, I mean, that's sexy where you can see it when he's actually on his knees. Yes. Um, Rees was quiet for a long time, his face unreadable. When he spoke, his voice was low. Those are markings that can never be altered. Favor doesn't hesitate. She's here for it. All right. She's not she leaving. She ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. She's ready. He takes her hands in his and he asks if she has any last words before she's bound to this court. My heart thundered, but I said, I have one last solstice gift for you. Reese went still at my soft voice. The tremble in it. Oh. She lets him in and shows him her gift. This passage is interesting because they never actually say the word baby, but it's very obvious that her gift is her womb swollen with child. Boom. She got baby in a womb. But it's not in the womb. She's just saying, I want one in there. It could be in there, though. Reese begins shaking with joy. He offers her several times the option to wait. We don't have to rush. But Feyre feels ready. 
with all of her being. Should I start giving that as every, just like, just like there could be a baby in here. As, as Jeff's Christmas presents. <laughs> every year for Christmas. I mean, there could be. It is. There is space. But there's not going to be. But there could be. Happy Christmas. <laughs> That's for you, because someday I might have to most likely not make you a child. Uh, that, that would never work if you are the person with the penis. I got you about cum. I mean, there's cummies in there, though, I got right? You cum yeah, I could in put there. it in. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but Feyre, after especially, because, you know, I, I harp on her age, but if this is what a woman wants with all of her being, who am I to judge? Go Never. for it. Never. And she, you know, especially after she heard the Weaver her story. 21 is very different than our 21. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I think that, like, I wasn't like a high lady and nothing. No. I, you were a pretty high lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that hasn't changed. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So she, after, you know, hearing the Weaver story of losing her husband and all that, she's ready. She wants to do it now. And I think they'll be happy to keep trying. Yes. In fact, Reese wants to start immediately. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're back to fucking. <laughs> We get a nice, long, five-ish page sex scene that is graphic, but in a different way. Yes. If you haven't read the books, we'll give you the scene during one of the dudes grappling with erotica, or probably several, but it involves fucking in a new place, <laughs> in a new way, and I don't mean in her ear. Nope. At the completion <laughs> of this very spicy scene, we finally get the reveal of Feyre's gift. That beautiful, blue-eyed dark-haired boy that the bone carver had once shown me, that promise of the future. We cut to the next morning, and Reese has winded the two of them back to Valaris, but instead of the townhouse, they are walking, unbeknownst to Feyre, to where Reese has been before in a previous chapter, that, that place along the river where all of the homes had been destroyed. He tells her he still hasn't given her her solstice present, and I'm glad, again, that it wasn't just his cum. Because he really could have used that. I could have. It would have gone hand in hand. With, yeah. Well, hand in whatever, wherever mm. he put it. Can't be in the hand. Won't work. They ain't going to make a baby there. Hey. He reveals that he purchased the land they stand in front of on the edge of the Sidra. He tells her it's hers to do with what she will. She's stunned and begins to decline. This is too much, too big. But he tells her it's just practical. They are overstuffed in the townhouse. And this will be their marital home with room for all of their friends and family. Build a house with a garden for Elaine, a training ring for the Illyrian babies, oh. a library for Amarin, an enormous dressing room for Moore. I choked on a laugh at that, but Reese silenced it with a kiss to my mouth. Lingering and sweet. Sorry, just imagine me going like, ha ha, and then Jeff trying to be like, <laughs> stop it, I'm laughing. <laughs> Shut that mouth real quick. Build a house with a nursery, Pharaoh. Aww. Chapter 23 is Rizan. And so this is like one of the really the grand finale uh, scenes in the book. We get some more uh, chapters here at the end that are kind of curious. So yeah. we'll go through them pretty quickly because we are getting along yeah. in this chapter or in this episode. So 23 is back to Rizan's first person. And we learn through his thoughts that the new the, the, the new sex that they just figured out. Yeah, dude. Has stolen his body, mind and soul. I, I, we've all been there. 
He's completely and utterly Feyre's. His heart is so full that he decides to take a trip. He arrives at the spring court, and it's deteriorated even more since his last visit, shattered into bits, really. And Reese feels a quiet level of guilt once he learned that Tamlin has now kicked out Lucian. So he's kind of back to feeling pity for Tamlin. Tamlin now left alone to his only his own miserable self. And, but that was his own choice, Reese. It's true. But I do some. I do kind of feel bad I know. For I know. He finds Tamlin in some sort of sub-level in a kitchen, sitting mutely in front of a bloody animal he's killed for presumably his dinner. This time, Reese doesn't start in on insults. He's, he simply tells him he's spoken with Tarquin and then they will, and that they have decided to dispatch soldiers to his borders. Tamlin doesn't even answer. And so... Reese continues divulging his plan to him. Finally, a disheveled Tamlin lifts his head and asks, do you think she'll ever forgive me? And so the two of them at this point are having the most civil yet sad conversation probably of their adult lives. And they even bring up Reese's mother in this back and forth. Tamlin is just beaten down. And though Reese won't reveal it to Tamlin, he does feel pity internally and maybe even a little bit of regret he doesn't answer if pharaoh will forgive him but instead takes his magic and skins the elk and puts it all the stuff that you do before you make meat yeah man you make that meat elk is great and so he puts the elk steak on the stove lights the fire basically does this small act of kindness showing that he's like preparing food for tamlin yeah um it's not like all lovey-dovey like he's still kind of as mean to him but he tells him to eat yeah and like in and even though it's like this i think this is a very it goes to show really who reese is as a person uh that just that like he's willing to do this like man this dude is down and out let me just help him a little yeah bit. and he, like he's not filled with like malice and revenge no. all the time uh so chapter 24 goes back to morgan and this chapter is perhaps the most perplexing to me because there seems to be a setting up for Morrigan's tale, but we don't experience any of it in the yeah. next book. I don't think that's a spoiler. But um, this chapter describes more at this entirely new lo- location that we've never heard of, an estate we didn't know until now that she owned that she has named Athelwood. She says that she bought it a few centuries ago when she wants to be alone and where she also keeps horses there. Who takes care of all the horses? I imagine they just have, like, horse spirits. They have some kind of, you know... She's royalty there. They just there's people. Yeah, they've got a hole. She got uh, she's got stuff. Um, That's where I keep my horses. Yeah, she has a like, never a, brought up horses. No. Like you got this. You're a horse girl, and we had no idea. Yeah, she's a fucking full on horse yeah, girl. Man. Although I I would assume more if we're gonna get into it. Horse girl versus horse woman. I feel more is more of a horse woman. Oh yeah, no, we're definitely getting into Xena warrior princess yeah. territory here. Um. So in this chapter, she's on a horse named Elia, and um, this is also in third person. I don't know if I mentioned that. And this chapter feels like we're in another book. <laughs> so I can only assume that this is intended to be that, that we will— It must come back. It will come back, because we don't know much about this world that's happening here. I'm going to kind of brush this chapter over. It's mostly centered on Moore's reflections while she is riding— her horse out in the night court wilderness. As she's thinking of all the events that have taken place with her father, she is startled by something in the dark, in the shadows, in the tree line, something she calls, quote, familiar yet foreign. And I've been putting my thinking cap on. I can't come up with 
what that could be a reference to. She makes it it's she makes it clear it's not Azriel, which would be extremely creepy if he was so just peeping at her in the bushes. Horse. Yeah. Yeah, look at her jump. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> but she says it's not Azriel. Um, so this chapter, again, is only a couple pages, and it sort of gives the vibe that Morgan is being called out to another adventure. So we'll see. Chapter 25 is back to Feyre, and we find out the family who owned the burned-out gallery has given it to Feyre. Feyre is stunned at this point in the beginning of the chapter and is standing in front of it with Racina when the chapter opens. She tells Racina that she tried to offer the family money, but they refused, told her to donate to a charity in Valaris called The Brush and Chisel, which sets up funds for artists so they can focus on their work. Really, she should just take over Brush and Chisel. Like, you should just always be giving money. If there is this foundation, like, shouldn't that be a huge part, you know, like, like the making kids not fat anymore like Michelle Obama did? Take the fat out of the kids? I think at least with Michelle Obama, she made, made it more about moving your body. It wasn't about moving your body, not taking the fat out of kids. It wasn't as good. As, I was still fat. It wasn't as good as the Be Best campaign for Melania, though. Oh, God. I'm not sure what it did, but I'm sure it was it really important. It changed a lot, It was Natalie. important. Okay. Um, so, Feyre wants the, all the artists to be best. And so, that's what she's going to do. And, and actually, instead of, even though, yeah, I think you're right with the breast and chisel, she is actually turning this into a, a sense of, like, a, a, an artist, like, I don't know what you'd call Hovel? it. Well, it's free. Like, all the classes she's yes. going to give are free. So yeah, it like is sort of a charity. place, yes. Yeah. So Feyre is, thinks about how she's taken aback, that artists are respected here, uh, that they would be supported uh, financially while they create. That's just something that she can't even process. I couldn't stop the tears that blurred my vision. Couldn't stop myself from remembering those years in that cottage, the hollow ache of hunger. The image of those three little containers of paint that I'd savored. She thinks back on the words the Suriel said to her before he died, or it died. Leave the world a better place than how you found it. At chapter 26, we're with Rizond, and without any spoilers, I will say that this is definitely, a, again, setting up the next book. Oh, yeah. Reese is with Cass in the training ring at their camp, and they are, they're convening about the progress of the female Illyrians and the progress they're making in the fighting ring, those who wanted to learn. They also bring up the right, the ritual that Illyrians go through to achieve their warrior status. In this chapter, I think the main takeaway is that we learn just how important it is to Cassian for these females to keep knowing they are welcome to learn in the ring. His, his desire to teach females to help themselves. Oh, my God. How hot is it, Natalie? Very sexy. How sexy is it? Yeah. Um, you know, and then we have that reference to what his mother went through, and he may have that may uh, Then we're back with Feyre in the next chapter, and we have jumped ahead in time a little because in the, ch- the previous Feyre chapter, they were discussing what they could do with the space now that she owns it. Are right. we doing this? Oh, Are we steepling? Yes. And where's all the people? That's <laughs> oh, my thumbs. Gross. Thumb people. Um, so. This now has jumped ahead in time to they have already fixed the space up. They painted it. They've added colors to the walls, making it a welcoming and comfortable and like safe space. And so they're both standing there within the gallery um, waiting nervously for what turns out to be their first class, a group of children 
who are set to be coming in any minute now. Vera recalls all of their preparation process and her decision to want to give the children who were traumatized during the attack from Highburn an outlet through art. Oh, my God. And just just try to learn many ways to just keep them looking at you Um, as someone that used to teach craft classes to children at Joanne Fabrics. Oh, um, boy. Really hard to get them to finish their craft. Okay, sometimes you just got to let them like, well, maybe they just got to work through their trauma by running around the room. going, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's also a way to work through your trauma. Sometimes they don't want to make the necklaces. They'll regret not having that necklace afterwards. They They'll regret it. Um, <laughs> and then you always scream that at them when they didn't. You'll regret it. <laughs> You'll regret it. <laughs> so we're we're getting this new idea of this new phase of Feyre's life starting, one that has stability and a place for her to use her passions to move her life forward. One of them is helping children. We learn that the classes, like I said, will be offered for free to any child in Verlaris. The children and their families begin to make their way into the studio at the end of this chapter. So they're basically like opening the doors to the first class. Chapter 28 is again with favor, but we've jumped ahead to the end of the first class. Rizond is there waiting for her to finish up, eager to hear about her first day as an art teacher. Which is cute that he came over to come pick her up after her first day. It's true. And she he wants to come in and see what everybody's done and how a class went. He's very attentive to his lover. So cute. It turns out it went pretty well, even though Racina got a bubble paint to the face by a rambunctious boy. Oh, 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 my God. I would leave those Or a paint classes. bubble. Did I say a bubble paint? You did bubble paint, but we figured it out. I just feel like I used to leave those class covered just in whatever it was they're making, just like glue gun burns all over because like they can't use the glue gun. So you got to do it all. So then my fingers are covered in blisters. That's got to be a lot when you already have all that syrup in your pockets. Oh, my God. I got syrup in my pockets. I've got sunshine in my mouth. <laughs> Jesus. Um, So she takes Reese through the paintings that are lined up to dry, and they witness the pain and fear and sadness that many of the kids are experiencing, many of whom lost a parent in the battle. It affects her, and it it hurts her heart, but you also get the sense that she feels immense hope and joy. It is also funny because I do feel like they'd be drawing, like, a dog. Like, I don't think that they're going to be drawing out, like— this is my father on the battlefield. Well, she mentions in the, when they go through, some of them are that, and then some yes. of them are just like a big scary thing. Yeah, like, and yeah, them yeah. like crying. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, great processing. I would wish all kids that went through trauma just immediately process through trauma oh, sure, through sure, art. Sure, sure. Um, that would be great. It'd be great. Um, so she, even though it it like hurts her, she feels like maybe a sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Through it, they take a stroll through the rainbow on this bright winter day since she has time before her next class comes in. She tells Reese it's strange to feel excitement to wake up every morning. She continues on that there's still much to figure out with the Illyrians and the Queens and what they will do with the world rejoined. But despite that all, she's moved beyond speaking. So I leaned into him, into that unfailing strength, and set down the bond. You make me so very happy. My life is happy, and I will never stop being grateful that you are in it. She looks up to see that tears are falling down his face. He tells her that he is equally grateful to have her in his life. I leaned into him again, his arm tightening around my shoulders, around the top of the arm inked with the tattoo we both bore, 
the promise between us to never part, not until the end. We got to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. Are we going to talk about this right now? I mean, we can in a second. So then Reese goes on in Down the Bond to the stars who listen, Pharaoh. I brushed a hand over his cheek to wipe away the last of his tears, his skin warm and soft, and we turned down the street that would lead us home, toward our future and all that waited within it. To the dreams that are answered, Reese. Oh, and then we're at the end of oh the my book. God. End of book four. And this is really the end of, for now at least, of Feyre and Reese's brain. Tale. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're still in the next book, but it's not about them anymore. It's not about. It's them not anymore. about you. So um, get okay. Over it. We'll talk about this more in the next book, but oh, we're gonna talk about it. I, I got think that feelings. they're too smart to do this tattoo. I have feelings about it. So in that, they basically just alluded. They didn't. Uh, Mass didn't really explain it here fully, but they have done a bargain where if one of them dies, the other one drops dead. They Romeo and Julieted themselves. They did, and it is so dumb. I think it's that the only part that like makes me like that's dumb. Hate this. So dumb. You're talking like, what do you mean? No. My thing is with it. I guess the. What we should take from it is that they have experienced it, the agony so deeply that they know that they won't survive it anyway. But the other but part is like teach anybody? the personalities that they have are so giving. And so it would seem like they wouldn't want to leave everyone abandoned with both of them gone the leaders of the nation. Um but we're maybe, gonna get into. We're gonna get into this. Maybe they went full teenager in that moment. They're like, I don't care about anybody. But you yeah. want to be alive without you? Like, like yeah, I don't want to be alive without my partner either. But like, you, you figured out. What you you got to keep going. You got to be strong. You're not gonna be put into his coffin. Like, no, <laughs> like a oh, pharaoh. This makes me angry. <sighs> anyway. But that's a, a tale for a different time. For now, this book is done, yes. and I can't wait to get into the next book because We're I dare say the next book is my favorite. The Silver Flame. I dare say it's my favorite. Pretty excited. Get horny. Please read up until chapter four of A Court of Silver Flames. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring Fernando Perez Leon and Travis Irvine. My plan? He went on, the dress sliding from me to the pool on the rug. Involve this cabin and a wall. My eyes opened just as his hands began to trace long lines along my bare back. Lower, I found Rice smiling down at me, his eyes heavy-lidded while he surveyed my naked body. Naked, save for the diamond cuffs at my wrists. I want to remove them, but he murmured, Leave them! My stomach tightened in anticipation, my breasts turning achingly heavy. I unbuttoned the rest of his jacket, fingers shaking, and it peeled from him, along with his shirt and his pants. Then he was standing naked before me, wings slightly flared, muscled chest heaving, showing me the full evidence of just how ready he was. Do you want to begin at the big beautiful wall, or do you want to finish there? (laughs) His words were guttural barely recognizable, and the gleam in his eyes turned into something predatory. He slid his hand down the front of my torso into brazen possessiveness. Or shall it be the wall the entire time? A big, beautiful wall. My knees buckled, and I found myself beyond words, beyond anything but him. 
Rees didn't wait for my answer before kneeling before me, his wings draping over the rug, before he pressed his kiss to my abdomen, as if in reverence and benediction. Then he pressed his kiss lower. Lower. My hand slid into his hair, just as he gripped one of my thighs and hoisted my leg over his shoulder, just as I found myself somehow leaning against the wall near the doorway, as if he'd winnowed us. My head hit the wood with a soft thud as Reese lowered his mouth to me. He took his time, licked and stroked me until I shattered, then laughed against me, dark and rich, before he rose to his full height. Before he hoisted me up, my legs wrapping around his waist and pinned me against the wall, one arm braced on the wall and the other holding me aloft, Reese met my eyes. How shall it be, mate? In his stare, I could have sworn galaxy swirled, in the shadows between his wings, the glorious depths of night dwelled. In the shadows between his wings, the glorious depths of the night dwelled. Hard enough to make the pictures fall off. I reminded him, breathless. He laughed again, low and wicked. Hold on tight, then. Mother above and cauldron save me. My hand slid onto his shoulders, digging into the hard muscle, but he slowly, so slowly, pushed into me, so I felt every inch of him, every place where we joined. I tipped my head back again, a moan slipping out of me. Every time, he gritted out. Every time you feel exquisite. I clenched my teeth, panting through my nose. He worked his way in, thrusting in small movements, letting me adjust to every thick inch of him. And when he was seated inside me, when his hands tightened on my hip, he just stopped. I moved my hips. Desperate for any friction, he shifted with me, denying it. No, no, no! You need to donate to my campaign! <laughs> hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more.